Great, thanks Mike. I'll just bring this forward a little bit. So good to be here with you all this morning. In case any of you don't know who I am, I'm Claire, one of the associate ministers here. Tom R. Vickers down at Deep Cut this morning, taking the service there and preaching the same sermon as you heard last week. So we're going to be sort of uh, joining together or all together uh, as the two churches and going through this sermon series on Luke. And and Mike started us off there with uh, something that wasn't from Luke, but you may remember that last week Tom quoted from it uh, in his sermon Um, And it was starts off like this, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because the Lord has anointed me. But what if we read it this way? The spirit of the Lord is upon me because the Lord has anointed me. Who is this me in the verses that the prophet Isaiah wrote? Who is this me that is to go to proclaim good news to the poor, to bind up the brokenhearted, to release the captives, to give sight to the blind? Well, there's various interpretations of who this me might be. And the one that Tom picked up on last week, as Jesus claimed in his manifesto when he read it out in the synagogue in Nazareth, was that the me refers to Jesus. And Tom used it to introduce our sermon series based on the Gospel of Luke, Luke, as I said, and it's about being on mission with Jesus. And Tom told us that as we look at everything that Jesus did and said to prepare his disciples for their mission, so we will learn from him about our mission. So me could be Jesus, definitely. can also be interpreted in other ways. Perhaps the me is the prophet Isaiah speaking the words to the people of that day, bringing the good news which they so desperately needed to hear. Or perhaps the me includes the people of God now, the you and the me. Perhaps we are the me, if you get my drift. So this morning we are looking to Luke for the answer to the question, who are we here for when we are on mission with Jesus? Because if we are the me, then from that passage in Isaiah we're going to get the general answer to that question. But if we look at Luke, he puts individuals centre stage, right bang in the particular, in our faces. Tom spoke about being on mission with Jesus in general terms, about what we're here for. So today we're going to be much more specific as we look about who we are here for. So I'm going to ask you today to do something a little bit different, um, to use your imagination. Some of us are more left-sided brains, aren't we? More logical and rational And others of us are much more preferring of using our right side brain, our imagination. So I'm going to ask you to bear with me to engage the right side of your brain, to engage your imagination and to put yourself into the stories that Mike's going to read to us. And maybe if we start to do that, maybe we'll start to find out the answer, who we are here for and what that means if we are the me written about in Isaiah. So Mike, let's have our first story from Luke chapter 5. This is Luke chapter 5, verses 12 to 16. While Jesus was in one of the towns, 
a man came along who was covered with leprosy. When he saw Jesus, he fell with his face to the ground and begged him, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. I am willing, he said. Be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him. Then Jesus ordered him, Don't tell anyone, but go. Show yourself to the priest and offer the sacrifices that Moses commanded for your cleansing as a testimony to them. Yet the news about him spread all the more, so that crowds of people came to hear him and to be healed of their sicknesses. But Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. Thanks, Mike. The man creeps quietly through the city streets, head low, a ragged cloth covering his body and his face, trying so hard not to be noticed. What danger he's in there. Because outcasts like him are not allowed anywhere near the city, let alone inside the city walls. His body is in agony, his inner pain more so. His life ruined ever since those priests pronounced him unclean when his first sores appeared. Everything was lost to him when he was cast out of society, ordered to live alone, ordered to cry out, unclean, unclean, when anyone came near, watching them back away with sick horror on their faces. The pain, the rejection, the slow, inevitable, hopeless, excruciating death that waits him. No wonder, no wonder he's risking so much to get near the one they're all talking about. The one who does healing miracles and brings life out of death. His is a living death. So he waits in the shadows, heart pounding. And the crowd swells up and comes by, jostling and shouting for the attention of this man, Jesus He takes his life into his hands, pushes forwards, and he doesn't care who sees him now, but he throws himself to the ground, face to the dirt, in front of Jesus, and pleads, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Only ten words, but so much unsaid. I'm only a cursed leper. I'm desperate to be allowed back into normal daily life. I know I'm worthless, but please, please don't reject me. I need help. I've no other hope. Have mercy on me. Jesus hears all that spoken and unspoken, and he reaches out his hand. I am willing, he says. As the unthinkable happens and he touches the leper to the shocked gasps of the crowd who in horror back away from the encounter. Be clean, Jesus commands. 
And the leper feels the sores vanish. His skin heals up as if they had never been there. Perfection. The crowd press back in, not believing their eyes. And Jesus tells the man to go and be declared clean. Go and see the priests, follow the correct procedures, stay according to the law. Jesus has made the man clean. The priests now declare the man clean. And what's more, says Jesus, don't say anything about it. As if that's going to happen. So the irony of this story is this, that the man who was made clean can now come and go in the city at will. But because of what Jesus did, and because of the crowds that mob him wherever he goes, he now has to stay outside the city walls and try and find lonely places to pray and be with his father God. So roles have reversed Now on mission with Jesus, we are called to do like him. And in this case, it might mean to reach out to the excluded. This story presents us with the gospel in miniature. Jesus took the leper's uncleanness physically by touching him and spiritually. He took the leper's uncleanness on him and he he made the leper clean. Now that Greek word for making clean, which is, and I don't know if I'm pronouncing it right, but it's something like katharizo, it has a dual meaning. As well as um, healing, it also means forgiveness, katharizo. So this story is telling us that Jesus also takes his sinfulness on himself. He makes us clean, so he takes our sinfulness on himself, makes us clean, he forgives us. So Jesus here is rejecting society's judgment on people with disfigurements, on people with contagious illnesses or incurable diseases. There can hardly be a more dramatic act in affirming the importance of the individual than in Jesus' action in reaching out to touch that leper. So here's our first question. If we're on mission with Jesus, who are we here for? Well, the ones which the rest of society excludes. Let's have another story from Luke, Mike. See what we get from that. Reading on from verse 17. One day Jesus was teaching, and the Pharisees and teachers of the law were sitting there. They'd come down from every village of Galilee and from Judea and Jerusalem, and the power of the Lord was with Jesus to heal the sick. Some men came carrying a paralyzed man on a mat and tried to take him into the house to lay him before Jesus. When they could not find a way to do this because of the crowd, they went up on the roof and lowered him on his mat through the tiles in the middle of the crowd, right in front of Jesus. When Jesus saw their faith, he said, Friend, your sins are forgiven. Thanks, Mike. Okay. The earth moves. I can't. I'm frozen in fear to the mat. 
I can't do anything. I just can only lie here. I'm powerless. Friends are doing the moving for me. I'm paralyzed. I'm helpless. What can I do? Nothing. I'm dependent on others for everything. This paralyzed body is no use to anyone. I'm really despairing. They know it. This is my last hope for freedom from the prison that my body has become. Oh, come on, lads, get me in there. They say he's got power to heal the sick. I've tried everything and nothing's worked. Oh, push in, push in, won't you? Oh, it's no use. Once again, nobody makes any room for me. Their backs are like a solid barrier. Oh, come on, lads, let's go home. It's pointless. I knew it would be. Ah, what? What are you doing? Hang on, hang on. For pity's sake, where are you going? Ah, don't tip me off. Watch it, watch it. Watch the steps. Watch out. Be careful. Oh, now what? Oh, no way. What are you doing? You can't go levering tiles off the roof. They have the authorities on us for vandalism. Oh, I can't bear to look. I can't bear it. Bits of roof raining down on everybody inside. This is agony. Oh, no. Now what? Oh, oh, this is embarrassing you. Don't. Don't make the earth move again. Oh, not the mat with me on it anyway. Oh, you're dropping me through the hole. Oh, this is unbelievably embarrassing. I want the earth to open up and swallow me up. Oh, get me out of here. I'm not a celebrity, but get me out of here. No chance, they're not listening. Me and my mat, here we go, thumped right on the floor in, in front of Jesus. He looks down at me. Then he looks up at my mate's faces peering through that hole in the roof. Do you know what? They've shown such confidence in him and such determination to get me in front of the healer and here I am all of a dither but he looks back at me and he calls me friend and he says your sins are forgiven well heaven knows I need forgiveness and if that's all he's offering then I'll take it and I'm lying there thinking how great that is and now how hell do I get out of here then Jesus picks up on the unspoken outrage pouring out of those nitpicking Pharisees hanging around to make fault, to take fault in it, he realizes that they're questioning his right to forgive sin. And then, just like that, to counter their accusations of blasphemy, he tells me, get up, take up your mat, go home. So I do on my own two feet, seeing the world from the vertical perspective for the first time that I can remember. Unspeakable joy wells up. And all because my friends didn't give up. I don't know how I'll be able to thank them enough. Jesus came to heal Anything and everything that cripples us, that binds us up, that paralyzes us from doing things through fear or any other reason, and anything else that enslaves us. 
But sometimes it takes the faith, the confidence, the determination of other people to get us to a place where Jesus can set us free. Do you know what I thought? What if that man's friends had given up at their first attempt when they got to the house and saw all the crowds there in and around it? What if they had not bothered to climb the steps to get their friend up on the roof? What if, having dragged him up there, they had thought the better of breaking a hole through the roof and, uh, and then allowing Jesus, uh, the, the man to be put through the hole? What if they'd allowed any of those barriers to stop them bringing their friend to Jesus? So here's that question for the second time. If we're on mission with Jesus, who are we here for? Well, maybe the simple answer is our friends, people we know, love, care for. No matter what barriers seem to be in the way, their disinterest or your fear about talking to them about your faith or any other thing, your worry about inviting them to something, maybe the time is coming for us to overcome those barriers like that man's friends did and introduce our friends to something of Jesus. I've got one more story for you, but we're going to pause now. And just have a breather from all that, some intensity. And Lily and the music team are going to lead us in the song, Good, Good Father. I hope most of you will know it. This is a song that yet again is talking about how God loves us for who we are. Not about what we do, which is a little bit of what I'm talking about. But right now, he loves us for who we are and how Jesus is God in human form and expresses that love to us. So if you like to stand as we sing, Good, Good Father. So receive that love now. Wherever you are, whatever's going on in your life, God loves you for who you are. And he has a plan and a purpose for you because of his great love for all of us. Amen. Mike's going to read our final story now. So we're reading from verses 27 to 32 now. After this, Jesus went out and saw a tax collector by the name of Levi sitting at his tax booth. Follow me, Jesus said to him. And Levi got up left everything and followed him. Then Levi held a great banquet for Jesus at his house and a large crowd of tax collectors and others were eating with them. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law who belonged to their sect complained to his disciples, Why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? Jesus answered them, It's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. So, there's Levi. He sits in his airless customs booth beside the busy road, sweltering in the heat, sweat trickling down his face, 
making little tracks in the grit and the dust that's thrown up by all the passing foot and vehicle traffic and livestock that go past the entrance to his booth. The people paying the obligatory Roman road tax with ill grace and some abuse. And then they move on quickly to avoid contamination with him, a horrible, undirty tax collector and sinner. Every now and then a greeting breaks into his isolation, a high, a hail from a prostitute or a slave dealer or a petty criminal. Such are those the people that he associates with. And he shrinks into himself. The spitting, the abuse, the disgusted expressions of decent Jewish people, they're his daily experience. And his thoughts continue on their dark path his spiritual hunger gnawing away at him. It's almost a physical pain because for him, there's no way out. He is banned from the temple by virtue of his, what he does for a living. He's not allowed to go and make sacrifice or ask for sacrifices to be made, to atone, to make up and get forgiveness for his sins. For him, there's no chance of rescuing or redemption. He is condemned. But a shadow pauses in the entrance to his customs booth. Probably a traveller stopping to pay up, probably grudging, no doubt, probably more abuse going to come his way. So he barely lifts his head to acknowledge his customer, let alone look at him in the face. But then a voice like no other speaks to him, simply saying this, follow me, that's all. Levi sits frozen for a moment. It's so unexpected. But he's never heard a voice of such compassion. And he looks up into the face of Jesus. And at that moment, he knows. He knows. He hadn't known he'd been waiting, but this is the one he'd been waiting for. This is his saviour. And with no further hesitation, up he gets Leaves it all behind, booth, business, money, security, no use for it. In that instant of getting up and leaving, he finds security, he finds forgiveness, he finds restoration, he finds purpose, and yes, he finds life. And the dark spiritual pain he's been under flees away. It's replaced by an overwhelming sense of joy and acceptance. And so, later that day, Levi throws a party at his house for Jesus and his followers to come and celebrate his rescue. And a constant stream of prostitutes, thieves and other social outcasts come to the feast to meet this man Jesus who has transformed Levi. But again we have the Pharisees standing outside in self-righteous rage. Why are Jesus and his followers eating with all this lowlife and outcasts of society. Simple answer. They're the only ones Levi knows to invite. No one else would go near him. They're his friends. But Jesus speaks up. He speaks up and cements the forgiveness that Levi's already received. And he says, it's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I've not come to call the righteous, but sinners. The pious religious hypocrites with their veneer of holiness, are unreachable. 
And it's people like Levi who are prepared to acknowledge their sin, their wrongdoing, their selfishness. They're the ones that can be forgiven and redeemed, set free. So here's that question for the last time. If we're on mission with Jesus, who are we here for? Well, this story tells us, for the sinners and the spiritually sick. Jesus offers, as we've learned from this morning's stories, hope, healing, redemption, forgiveness to everyone who comes to him. Who are we to decide whether anyone is beyond the love of Jesus Christ? Who are we to withhold that from anyone? So, final main question of the day. Where, I wonder, would you place yourself in any of these stories? Would you perhaps be uh, in the crowd, watching, amazed, or inspired, really struck and moved by what's happening, but actually not taking any physical part in it? Or maybe you identified personally as one of the people at the heart of the stories, as the leper, the outcast of society, the disfigured, unclean person, or maybe the, the man who was paralysed by his circumstances, maybe a paralysis, not just of physicality, but of emotions, or in your spirit, or in any other way. Or maybe you identify with the one who feels deep in sin and so far from God. Or dare I even say it, have you just had a little twinge that you might be one of those standing on the edge, judging, criticising, self-righteously? Or perhaps you could be someone like the friends of that man in the middle story, the friends of the paralysed man, who could play a part in bringing the lost, the sick, the unclean and the excluded to Jesus whether or not they're your friends. So I wonder who you resonated with in those stories. I wonder who you think you are here for. Because remember this, where we started. The Spirit of the Lord is on me. The Spirit of the Lord is on you, me, us. Because the Lord has appointed us to proclaim the good news to the poor, to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom from the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour. Are you, can you, will you be the me? I'm not going to say any more now. I want to leave it with you. But we're going to have some time of quiet now to reflect, to offer our own prayers. And then I'll gather it all up in prayer before we move towards the end of the service.